Oh, baby. Wow. Man. Here we are. Who would have thought? Not me. I don't know. I don't know anyone who would have thought. Hmm. Welcome to the Pure Joy Project. My name is Paul Lanigan. I'm Daniel Reed. And it's been far too long since we got together on the microphones. But here we are. A whole, like, three minutes probably. Yeah, maybe if that. Um, Somehow, for some reason, you're listening. Mm. And somehow, for some reason, we have the opportunity to be here. Um, recording this, hanging out with each other, uh, breaking bread about how the Lord is just so good. Um, so you clicked on the episode knowing that we're studying Ephesians. Hopefully you've listened to the episodes before this, right? We're getting battle ready. Um, as, as it says in Ephesians six, as we'll get there eventually, the word of God is the sword of the spirit to be used as a weapon. Um, Mm. and so we are learning on how to be battle ready, how to be equipped with this sword. Um, and by the scripture to to fight um, in a lot of different ways. That that takes a lot of forms. So um, hopefully you've listened to the episodes before, as I said. But if not, this is a great place to start. Not going to lie. Um, but before we get into that, like usual, let's talk about how we've been. Daniel Reed. Man, it's been probably three months, two months since you're on uh, the podcast. That's a long gosh. time, dude. How have you been, dog? It, it's been it's been a while. Um, even before I get into how I've been, Paul, you hit it right on the head. Just getting the idea of our title here, being bad already, going through Ephesians. The people might be wondering, like, you guys haven't even talked about war. You haven't even talked about being bad already. You barely even mentioned the phrase. And you're right. But I would argue that you're probably missing the point. And that's because we haven't said it directly. The first two chapters even up now you know we're talking through ephesians 3 1 through 13 tonight and what we've been doing is we've been going back through the gospel we've been going back there and just nailing it down making sure we understand some of the depths of it um and it's just gonna build upon each other and a lot of it has to do with how god has moved through paul as he's writing this letter to the church in ephesus and tonight is really gonna dive into some of that and tonight we're going to get into a lot about wisdom, um, and I'm amped, absolutely amped to get into some of that. But how have I been? I have been been good. Gosh, it has been so long since we've been on on the the airwaves or whatever you know mm. waves and we we transmit. Yeah, however the internet works. Gosh, I don't know something something. But yeah, I've been. I mean, surprise, surprise, doing doing worship stuff. Um, I'm singing Promises tomorrow at our midweek gathering. You know, Promises by Maverick City. Mm-hmm. Such a good song. I'm pumped to do that. But, yeah, just been just been doing that. Been trying to keep up with schoolwork. Been just wrecked all the time by God just showing me who I am. And good and bad ways. And even in the bad ways are good ways because it gives me the chance to repent and grow closer to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, uh, yeah. Man, we've had the hardest time recording recently, too. Holy my Wi Fi is wow, dude. dog. It is just dog at my house. And then oh, I went goodness. to the, we rescheduled to the library 
at Missouri State tonight, and the library decides they're going to close at 10 o'clock. And so I have to come back home, and now I'm just, whatever, we're going to use my old beat-up headphones instead of my microphone, and we're just going to record because we got to put some content out because it's been far too long. Hmm. But I'm blessed, semi-stressed, and just oh so <laughs> content with life. Oh. Praise the Lord. Come on. Paul? Yeah, they know a little bit. If they listen to Renewal, they know a little bit about me. But I, uh, man, this has been this has been a go 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 season, not in a bad way at all. Uh, one of my consistent prayers has been to like to ask the Lord to help me to do more, but to do more how He desires more, not how I desire more. Um, mm. To to like people say like how can I feel the Lord work, and I'm like do more stuff. But that doesn't mean mm-hmm. you just that doesn't mean you just go do things, you know, like you don't just go aimlessly do things. You ask him to work through those things. You ask him to guide you in those things and he's going to do things. Um and so this has been, I mean, I literally can't complain. I have it has been a season of a ton of peace. Um just in on the track and in the classroom and I have the best community I've ever had around me consistently. Um, I love where I live. I love what I'm studying and it really feels like a gift, you know, to be at the, um, one of the leaders in FCA here and to be hosting these events and, and whatnot. And it is just incredible. And the Lord has given me, um, some kind of, of position, um, that I don't deserve and it's all by grace. And so I'm just reverent. Um, the only thing that, that brings any worry is where the heck I'm going to end up next fall and what I'm going to do this summer in, in what my scheduling is going to look like to make all that work. But I know, uh, those days have anxieties of their own and I should choose Jesus 30 seconds at a time where I'm at. Um, man, 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 man. It has been incredible as I've, I've been reading second Chronicles recently and, uh, and Solomon and the Lord talking about, how the Lord hears us. And there's four requirements to the Lord to listen to us that he gives. Now, this is Old Testament, obviously, first covenant, but these requirements are still very applicable. And it says, if if God's people will humble themselves, pray, seek his face, and turn from their wicked ways. And so that's been on my heart recently, is like, how often am I humbling myself praying, seeking the face of the Lord and turning from my wicked ways. Mm. And so, um, yeah, man, it's been so cool to see what the Lord continues to do in this community and in those around me and in this city and all those things. It is a blessed time. I got a big advanced nutrition exam tomorrow, but we're not stressing. Heck no. We're just, we're just preparing. Mm-hmm. So, my goodness. I miss Bennett. We need to acknowledge Bennett's not here. We have to. <laughs> that dude. Holy cow. You want to tell him where, what's going on with Bennett? Yeah, I'd love to. So, biz, ben, business, I was business Bennett, bro. He, he is, man, he he is that. Business. Facts. Gosh. Bennett did something that... I would like to just sum up as wisdom and humility and 
is just oh, I can't even I cannot go on enough about how much Bennett means to me Thanks. and just how much I love that man. Holy cow! Me too. Oh, so yeah, to sum it all up, Bennett is swamped with schoolwork and just trying to be diligent and study his bumper off. You know, hashtag K rated. Um, and that's a can of cook joke for all you can of cook folks. Yes, out there. it is. I hope somebody gets it. Please, but cool. yeah, Bennett just was like, "Hey guys, I want to keep it a hundred with you guys, and just take a step back from doing the pod for a minute, so I can just stay ahead on schoolwork." So I'm swamped and struggling, and he was just open and honest about it. And there's no shame in that at all. He's busy and he's being wise and taking care of what he, what God's put in front of him. And what is what's such a beautiful thing is like. To be a leader in evangelism and in your walk, you don't have to be taking every leadership role that is presented to you, right? Hmm. You don't have to. You don't have to be in every leadership role, which I'm preaching at myself, like, because I'm bad about this sometimes. But that's the thing about Bennett is he's going to be leading. He's going to be bringing people and showing people Christ and to Christ just in every situation he's in, because that's who Bennett is, and that's how much he loves the Lord. And so I respect him even more than I did before. I didn't even know it was possible. But, yeah, so that's what Bennett's doing. He's grinding away, killing it at SEMO, and just knocking him dead. The Lord's just making people keel over, saving souls through Bennett. And yeah, that's pretty mm. much what's going on. Yeah, I, I, it's really the humility is admirable because I know that he loves like the opportunity to be a part of this, and that um, it is a gift that he feels that like he gets to speak on this podcast. You know, he gets to be a part of it. He gets to be alongside us, and so for him to know that, like, to have the humility to be like, I don't need that. Like I know that the like asking the Lord for discernment and wisdom over over what to do, um, he knew that it was not something that he needed in this season, even though he loves it so much. Like to have the discernment and the humility to step away from something that he holds highly in his life to be faithful, more faithful in something else. I right. respect it a ton, and I'm thankful. Um, I love it. Holy cow. So, yes, no Bennett. It's just Daniel and Paul. Sad. But not sad. What a joy. Here we are. Bittersweet. But also, not just Daniel and Paul. Whoever you are. Whoever you are created one of one with your own gifting. Mm. With your own gifting and your own stewardship of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh-oh. Come on. I'm going to go ahead and read Ephesians 3, 1 through uh, 13. And then you can you start, you can start by diving in. However you like to start us off. Come on. I'm reading an ESV so the people know. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly, When you read this, you could perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. 
which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has now been revealed to the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me I am the very least of all the saints this grace was given. To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is in the plan of the mystery hidden, a, hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold of wisdom, the manifold wisdom of God, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that He has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Mm. Take us away. Oh, buckle up, because there's so much to these 13 verses. Let's dive into it. So, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. Dash. So, Paul, he says he's a prisoner of... Of Christ Jesus and here's an interesting visual for you so picture this Paul he's under house arrest basically um, at this point he is awaiting trial by the Emperor of Rome if I'm not mistaken and so he's literally chained to a Roman soldier like quite literally he's chained to a Roman soldier so I mean you look at that you're like what is he talking about? He's a prisoner to Rome, right? He's not a prisoner of Christ Jesus, like Christ Jesus died and then ascended. Like, that doesn't make sense. But what he's saying is he's chained to Christ rather than the Roman. And it has to do with perspective on who the true Lord of his life is. Maybe Paul considers that the one who truly has authority over him isn't the soldier that he's chained to, or the Roman Empire, or the Roman Emperor, maybe it's Jesus Christ. And that's the one he's focused on serving. That's the one that he's chained to eternally because of Jesus' sacrifice and Paul being chosen as a saint and one who has been redeemed through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Hmm. That's, verse, that's verse one. Come on. So... Yeah, Paul, you got anything you want to you yeah, add to or you want to keep going there? I think it's um, important that, like, Paul was was facing these things, right? He's a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. Um, he was facing these things and being persecuted by Jews who were God's mm. chosen people out of jealousy and what? out of, like, spite because he had preached as we see in acts 13 and 14 he had been the one him and barnabas were the first to preach to the gentiles led by the holy spirit and so the jews were really frustrated because they were prideful people um as we are that that the gentiles got to have an equal opportunity as them so he's being mm. persecuted by jews and so people that are supposed to be god's chosen people are getting upset with him because the grace of God continues to abound. And so I just wanted to put light to that. You're you're incredible. I want to co continue to let you to lead this. 
Yo, so that was so go good. What you got? That was so good. Yeah, and Paul even talks about this in Romans, if I'm not mistaken. He's like, "Listen, you Jews, you're not just like inherently good with the Lord because you're Jewish anymore. Like that's not how this is. That's not how this works. Because Christ has come. Now this word is going to the Gentiles because God's kingdom is expanding. And yeah, that ruffled more than a few feathers. Mm. So you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And then, uh, let's get crazy. Let's Come get crazy. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm about to start standing up. This is wild. So, verse 2, it continues. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. So, you might sound like, I don't know. This kind of sounds like assumptious of Paul. It kind of sounds a little, little, I don't know, arrogant perhaps. But here's the thing. Paul spent three and a half years in Ephesus ministering and evangelizing and preaching and building a new church. So it's it's very safe to say that most people in Ephesus at the time had heard of him. So that was a, it's a very safe assumption. It's not just him being kind of arrogant, like, oh, I'm sure you've heard of me. He's like, mm, they probably have, Like, if, if we're going to be really honest. Mm. But he is sending this letter out, but he he's, a, he's saying that he's assuming that you have heard of the stewardship, because there's some people that haven't. He can't just be like, oh, well, all of you know this, because there's new converts to the church. So just a little background on verse 2 there. And then moving into verse 3, this is where the ball starts to get rolling. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. Now the mystery, underline that, circle it, if you're not listening to this podcast in your car. That's going to be a key theme of this chapter, especially in this podcast that we're doing right now. The mystery. We're going to talk a lot about that. Hmm. And he says it was revealed. We're going to pin the mystery up on the board. We're going to come back to it. He says it was revealed to him. So what does that mean? What, he, what do you mean it was revealed? Like, did he not just, like, you know, grow up in the faith? What, is, what does that mean? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. So if we chug on over to Acts chapter 9, 1 through 7, we're going to hear about Saul, later Paul, but Saul's conversion. So verses 1 through 7, Acts 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Yeah, so backstory, we're going to pause there. If you didn't know this, this is going to rock your world. Paul, writer of most of the New Testament, hmm. famous through the ages, for his evangelism to the Gentiles. Yeah, just an absolute animal. Got after it for the faith. The man. Um, Before he did that, he was killing Christians. Killing them. Talk about baggage. Yeah. (laughs) So, and here's what's interesting. He's, I'm going to read about this in a second. He's on the road to Damascus, right? Going there to kill Christians. He's going there to kill them. And what's interesting is the people he was going there to kill end up preaching the gospel to him. That How about that? That a lot of fire in you. But continuing on, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, pause. Christians in the Bible, the word Christian isn't typically found in the Bible depending on what translation you have christians were first referred to as followers of the way 
Just a little side note. So he's in Damascus. He's asking for letters to Damascus so that if he found any there belonging to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem, where they would then be killed. As he neared Damascus on his journey, excuse me, journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He answers, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. So, that is where Saul, at the time, first encounters Jesus. Right? Jesus reveals himself to Paul. This is after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection and then ascension into heaven. Jesus reveals himself to Paul. Right? This is the first time we see this. But it continues. It continues. So, if you go, if you... Fast forward a few chapters into Acts 22, verses 17 through 21. Here's what you get. This is Paul talking. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance. I saw the Lord speaking to me quick. He said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were there killing him. Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So, Paul is trying to evangelize to the Jews. And God's saying, No, I haven't picked you for this specific people group. I need you to go to, the, to go to the Gentiles, which was unheard of at the time. And Paul, I love this. This is so, there's so much to this. Hmm. He falls to the ground, right? He's in this trance. He says, Lord, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr, Stephen, was shed, I stood there, giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. He's responding out of shame. Paul, you just talked about baggage, right? Saul, Paul, has just been called into the mission field, right? He's going to a new people group. Hmm. And he has to carry around with him the images, the sounds, the, like the physical feelings of killing the people that he is now going to evangelize to. That he is now a part of their family. Hmm. He has to carry that with him. <laughs> so that's how he responds. And then to wrap up this thought, this thought, I know, stay with me. Stay with me. Christianity is revealed. And here's we're going. Galatians 1, verse 12. I did not receive it from any man, it being the gospel, it being his faith. Nor was I taught it. And this is this is big. When Paul says he wasn't taught it, and here's why it's big, because he was a high up in the Jewish faith, right? He had been taught the Jewish faith, but his newfound faith and belief in Jesus Christ had not been taught, but he had, been, he had received it. 
He says, I had not been taught. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Jesus appeared before Paul, asking, why are you persecuting me? He revealed himself to him. And so that's why he's saying all of this had been made known to him by revelation. Hmm. Christianity is not a revealed faith, is a revealed faith, excuse me, not a figured out one. Christianity isn't something you just, you stumble into, you know, it's not something you decide, oh, like, yeah, you know, it's not something someone's going to rationalize to you, and here's why, because as soon as someone talks you into this faith, this belief in Jesus, the next person's going to come right along and talk you out of it. Hmm. That, and that's and that's exactly what Paul's talking about here. It was revealed to him, right? And this, I mean, I would say that this that this is what's happened for me, Paul. I, I really want to hear your input on this too. Is that when I first encountered Jesus, encountered the Holy Spirit, it, it rocked my world, and I didn't respond to it right away. Hmm. I didn't respond to it right away, but eventually, over time. I started to realize that one, I was not living out the faith that I claimed to have. <laughs> and then so I, I dug into the scriptures, I dug into the Old Testament, and I was like, okay, I've been preaching Jesus to people for three, four years now, but do I even know who that is? And the answer was I didn't. And so I dug into the Old Testament out of curiosity and was amazed what I found about hmm. why Jesus came, how Jesus had been in, involved in every story through the Bible, all of it leading up to his incarnation, him humbling himself, putting on flesh, being among us, dying the death that we deserve, rising from the dead, and then ascending to the right hand of God. That, that was my experience. That how, that's how it was revealed to me. Hmm. But, Paul, I want to hear, tell us about you. How was this, how was this revealed to you? Because I, I know a little bit about your story, and this wasn't something you just like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it was like a, oh, my gosh. I, I mean, who's to say when I genuinely um, was graced by the Holy Spirit? But I, after that moment, that was a moment where I tasted it. Where like I I was like this is it, like I I ask people consistently in conversation when trying to know somebody a little better, a little deeper, break down some walls. I ask what makes you feel alive, like what mm. what, and the way I describe that is what while you're doing it, you know, like I want to do this more, or this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, and I and I can remember moments like sprinkled throughout high school where I was like either worshiping or around believers or something where I was like, this is it. This is what yeah. I'm seeking. And I think the most, there's a couple moments that I could pinpoint. Um, and then at that point I tasted it. And then it was like a constant process of like discerning it. Like it was made, it was made known to me. And then anything outside of it was discomfort. And so like, my first couple years in college when I was preaching and not living, I I was constantly like uncomfortable, like feeling wrong, feeling like just gross. And I couldn't see why. And then it was through my 
incredibly faithful people in my life and through my personal pursuit of Jesus, learning more about his character, um, reading the gospels was it for me was when it all really clicked was when Mm -hmm. I was when I understood who my savior was, why he was worthy of being right with how he knew me by name when he faced the cross and thought about me when he conquered death. Like that was when it, when it clicked was when I knew more about Jesus and I knew his story in the gospels of Matthew and John specifically. Um, Luke and Mark are fantastic as well, but those were the first two I read were it was Matthew, then John. And Mm. those were, I mean, absolutely changed my life that I started to really grasp who my savior was. And then now, as I'm reading the Old Testament, as I mentioned, reading Second Chronicles, and as I've been reading, like it through the prophets and alongside the New Testament, I'm seeing how the whole story points to Jesus. And from the beginning, like how God's glory was to be made known through Jesus. And so it was. It has. It's been a long process of refinement of of the posturing of my heart be to be more towards the lord over time yeah and that's a process like we you and i both like we barely scratched the surface of right nowhere near one percent that's what i i i confidently say i could devote every fiber of my being to the pursuit of him and his word and ministry and his name and not tap into one percent of what he has for me Mm. and i'm so thankful for that I'm so thankful this is a God that I cannot quantify, so I have to give all of my effort. Ooh, that's good. That's profound. So you said something that really stuck out to me, and I want to go back to it. So are you, are you telling me that from the beginning, like quite literally, like Genesis, that Jesus was the plan the whole time? Yes. <laughs> mm, I like I am, that. I, I am saying that. I am saying that. I'm saying that um, that he was, I mean, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, the Word was with God. Um, mm. And the Word being Jesus, like, he was there from the beginning. He is woven into every story and, and every um, occurrence across the whole Old Testament, the time of the first covenant, to then posture us to raise him in glory like when the time came he Mm. was prophesied about for so long one of the coolest things is that literally historically they agree that these books of the old testament these original scrolls in um hebrew were written like thousands of years before jesus factually walked the earth and every single prophecy given in the old testament these thousands plus year old scriptures came true in Jesus. And so the whole Old Testament, if you look at the upper story of the Old Testament, for example, um, David and Goliath, right? A a non-special man being led into a valley to face certain death by the Spirit of God conquers the giant. That is an allegory for Jesus. That is the upper story of the Old Testament. You think Abraham and Isaac, right? A father leading his son up a mountain to be sacrificed. Then, in the son's willingness, 
or like in the in the willingness of the act through that faithfulness the lord's message is given like you could look at every single story and you could you could see how jesus is woven into the whole thing mm. that's good yeah tidbit on that too <clears throat> what if what if i what if paul were to tell you that the mountain that Abraham and Isaac climbed up, Mount Moriah, was also referred to later as, Paul, do you know where I'm going with this? Yes. Yeah, what was it referred to as in the New Testament? The skull, correct? Yeah, Golgotha. Golgotha, yeah. Yeah, they're the same place. The same place. That's crazy. Yep. Ah, I love that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna come back to that from the beginning concept. Uh, we're definitely gonna come back to that uh, before we are done with these thirteen yes. verses. Yes, verse four. There's more. We're gonna go back. We're gonna touch on the mystery because mm. it's it's time. It's time to get into the mystery. Let's go. Verse four. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. But if it's been revealed, what's the mystery? That doesn't doesn't make sense. You know, it's been revealed. Well, it's making a point here. If we go to Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 to 27, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is, I, I hope y'all are picking up on this. The mystery, it's been kept hidden for ages and generations. Possibly even the beginning, maybe, maybe, just maybe, like Paul was just talking about, this mystery that is Jesus Christ has been kept hidden since the beginning. And, and all of heaven has been waiting, waiting, and waiting. Boom! Jesus enters the earth, puts on flesh, becomes human at the same time as he is God. And so mm. it continues. So I did a word study on mystery because I was like, that's a, that's a big word here. I probably need to understand what it means. So here's a quote. In English, a mystery is something dark, obscure, secret, puzzling. What is mysterious is inexplicable, even incomprehensible. The Greek word mysterion, which is what we're talking about here, that's the word that's used, mysterion, is different, however. Although still a quote-unquote secret, it is no longer closely guarded, but open. More simply, Mysterion is truth, hitherto hidden. So up until now, it's truth that has been hidden from human knowledge or understanding, but now disclosed by the revelation of God. So here's the thing. The truth is the gospel. That's the mystery as well. Hmm. Because it was clear right from the beginning that man was fallen. All right, you go to Genesis, what is it, chapter 3? 
I think. Chapter 2, chapter 3, one of those. And, man, rebels against God. And so it's clear that there needs to be some sort of redemption because man has fallen away. There's no separation. And for a long time, uh, we're living under the sacrificial system and under the high priest who is pleading on behalf and interceding on behalf of the Israelites to God. And then this changed once Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. Paul, you want to throw anything in there? Hmm. Man, I just um, I want to highlight the role of the Spirit and and how this ministry being done by Paul is is all done like by the Spirit through him as he highlights um, the the apostles and the prophets that are speaking by the Spirit to this mystery uh, that that this is a Paul talks about a ton. In his letters, if you read all of them, which I would highly recommend, um, <laughs> that he talks about a ton how how this, like the Spirit's role. He talks about renewal by the Spirit. He talks about loving by the Spirit. He talks about giving by the Spirit. He talks about ministry by the Spirit. Like He continues to highlight the Holy Spirit because his change of life came as and, – and he got to experience – um, the descendants of the Holy Spirit and has watched it continue to run rampant and do ministry. And so I just want to highlight like the role, how important it is that we put ourselves aside in reverence to God. If we desire to do ministry, ministry is done with by the Holy Spirit through us, not us doing anything. And so to uh, just to highlight that, to understand that you have been gifted in your own way and you simply have to ask the Lord to help you walk in it and the Spirit to go before you and things will be done in His name and it will be awesome. Mm. And Paul lives that and talks that. This is just one example as he talks about the role of the Spirit in the prophets and in the apostles and how that has helped the revelation of ministry as the Spirit, like the Lord being in them, the divine Spirit being in them, they can understand and bring forth new things in ministry. Hmm. That's good. Gosh. Hmm. Come on. That's cool too. I like how you put it that way. Emphasizing the spirit because that gets directly into verses five and six, which I have coupled together here um, in my notes. So yeah, here's what's interesting. And through five and six, Paul reiterates how this hasn't made known to the sons of men in other generations. All of this that is being revealed in Christ now is it's new, especially when it gets into the concept of Jews and Gentiles both being welcomed into the kingdom of God. It's never been done before. Like the Jews have always been specifically God's chosen people, right? But now... The grace of God through Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, through his death, is being offered to those outside of Israel, outside of the 12 tribes. And that is new, brand new. And then here's what's interesting. It continues to go deeper. On verse 6, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, Hmm. members of the same body. All right, the mystery, it just deepens. Mysteries that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers 
of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. There's a promise? There is a promise. What's another word for a promise is a covenant, right? And so God, through Jesus, has made a covenant with us. And oh my gosh, I got to do it. I, I wasn't planning on talking about this. We're going to talk about it. Come on. So in Genesis 15, Paul, I think we talked about this not too long ago. We're good. Well, I'm so excited. Genesis 15. Run it. Abraham and God, they're making a covenant. It's hmm. their first covenant with each other. And so, it's called a blood path covenant. So here's what happens. Paul, Paul she's not we're not talking about Paul anymore. God tells Abraham to prepare sacrifices. And so there's a number of specific animals that are cut in half and laid out on the ground. Right? And their blood runs out and it creates a path. And so Abraham, being of the area at the time, this was a, this was a common thing. Um, and this, this covenant was typically made between a soon-to-be father-in-law and then the groom that was about to marry that father's daughter. And so the covenant would go like this. The father would say, I'm going to offer you up a virtuous woman, a virgin, who will you know, be a good wife, basically. And the husband, the man, would say, okay, I, got, I see that. I see what you're offering up. I am going to provide... I will pay the like the wedding price. Um, that was that was a common thing at the time, and I will you know protect and cherish your daughter, similar to vows. And the two men would walk through the blood path together, hmm. signifying that if one of them didn't uphold their end of the agreement, their end of the covenant. Them walking through the blood path is them saying, if I don't do this, let this be my blood that you're walking through. That's what it signifies. And so as the story goes, Abraham falls asleep, wakes up, or is given a vision, or it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of unclear in, in the Hebrew here, uh, but he sees God, or God appears to him in the form of a smoking furnace and a flaming torch and if you have gone through the old testament what uh, there, god presents himself in a number of ways one of which is smoke and another of which is fire this is very prevalent in exodus as well but these two things the furnace and the torch float through the blood path signifying god walking through the blood path. But what doesn't make sense here is that that covenant is supposed to be made between two people. And so we're, we're, at a, we're at a problem because Abraham's watching this happen. And so here's what God is doing by appearing twice and walking through the covenant, the blood path. He's walking in Abraham's place. Hmm. Because here's the thing. Abraham is making a covenant with a completely perfect God. Or if I rephrase that, a very imperfect human is making a covenant saying, I won't screw up to a very perfect God. 
one of these sides is going to screw up, and I'll give you one guess on who it is. It's not God. Hmm. And so here's the thing. He is going to die. God is going to be owed his blood by him screwing up the covenant. But here's the thing. Here's where it gets deep. God walked through in Abraham's place. Hmm. God made the covenant with himself. And so here's the thing. Abraham fell short, as as humans do. And so we're talking about the promise here. It refers back to this. Since Abraham fell short, right, and God was covering his half of the covenant, there still had to be blood paid. The covenant was broken. There had to be blood paid. That was the oath that was taken. Hmm. And so since God covered Abraham's portion of that covenant, God has to cover the blood that is still owed. And guess what is revealed? Guess what mystery is revealed some hundred, some thousand years later? Guess whose blood is spilt on behalf of Abraham, who is the father of Israel, who is the father of the faith? Jesus, who is God. God fulfilled that covenant in the bloodshed of Jesus. Hmm. And so the promise that is being referred to here in Ephesians 3, verse 6, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. The promise of everlasting life with the Father. It's a marriage covenant. It's marriage. It's forever. The marriage covenant made with the Father to us, upheld by God himself. That is crazy. That, oh, Genesis 15, if you haven't read it, please go and read it. Please go and read I it. I think it's... The God who walked in the place of Abraham, knowing he would fall, desires to walk in our place and consistently walks in our place, right? We have a high priest. If you read Hebrews, it talks about the high priest of Jesus. I mean, holy and blameless. No need to make a sacrifice because he he is perfect. He is holiness. Like, he is great. And... The high priests in in when they were what they were in earlier churches, um, they they were kind of you would say responsible for the faith of the congregation, right? That they were the leaders of the faith of the congregation. Like they, because of how ministry was done, um, they had a a large, beautiful burden. To lead those. So Jesus, the perfect high priest who is in us and guides us, is the one who's responsible for our faith. 
and we simply have to allow him to walk. Like we have mm. to let him out of its ca- out of his cage in our life. Take Jesus out of the box and allow the perfect, holy, set apart high priest to do the walking for us. Because the price has been paid, the covenant's been laid out. We in our confession and in our belief, we receive the Holy Spirit, and then let Him do the walking. Because Paul Paul mentions later in this chapter, we're going to stop at verse six. Because otherwise we'd be here all day. But, praise the Lord. Um, Paul mentions later in this chapter that that he is the least of the apostles, he says. Um, I believe. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I the, he also says it in First Thessalonians, which I'm studying with my FCA guys. So I'm kind of all over the place. Um, but So he mentions that he's the least of the apostles. But the Lord is doing an incredible work through him. Because Paul is allowing... Jesus to do the work is allowing mm. the spirit to do the work regardless of of who the world says he is or what his past says or anything Paul is putting himself aside to allow Jesus to do the work right he is a prisoner of Christ Jesus because he understands that the Roman government does not hold him captive but his mm. relationship with the Lord his choosing to be a bondservant of Jesus is where his captivity is held mm. Choose and what if you, and what if you took that, right? What if you took that belief, that understanding of who the Lord is in your life and in mine, and you took that as Paul was talking about the Romans, you took that to the sin that you have been fighting since you were in middle school, in grade school, that sin. That has become a habit, or whatever it is. Like it doesn't just have to be sexual sin, as you know most people would refer to. Now it could be whatever it is, but whatever sin that you're walking in, if you are living in Christ Jesus, if the faith has been revealed to you, and you consider yourself a Christian and are walking with the Spirit, mm. that sin is no longer controlling you, or rather, it doesn't have to. Right? Mm. Sin has lost power over you. Right? You've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, who fulfilled the covenant that he made with Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. Right? We're now in Ephesians. Where? That's a very, there's a very long time gap there. Mm. Very. And the truth from Ephesians, I mean, take it back. The truth from Genesis to Ephesians to this what is today October 28th in 2020 is still the same hmm. blood was spilt on my behalf on Paul's behalf Paul Anigan's behalf and Paul the Apostle both on their behalf on your behalf hmm. but how are we going to respond to that because Paul in here in Ephesians as my friend Paul was just saying he responded and took his hands off his life and said, okay, well, clearly you're leading. I, I'm going to follow wherever it is. Like I'm the servant. You're the master. I'm going to follow wherever you're going to guide. What if the Christian life has less to do with what more we can do for God 
And it's more to do with just believing and having faith that God is going to move through our life and move us into the position where he wants us, where he's going to use us the most. And this isn't, and this isn't to say that there's, you know, there's nothing to do with your actions. And, you know, like faith without works is dead. Don't hear me wrong. But what if our relationship with the Lord has more to do with our faith in him rather than the works that we feel like we can do to be closer to him. Hmm. It's an open-handed grip. That's how I, that's how I would, hmm. I would describe it. You're offering it up. Your hand is open. You're not clutching it tightly. It's open. It's like, Lord, here's my life. Take it. Hmm. Here's my heart. Take it. And I just, I want to encourage that as Hebrews 4 would agree with me, um, he he knows the burden. He knows what you faced, what you're facing, what you are to face. He knows those things and desires your intimacy in facing those. To not walk alone. He tells us the last thing he said before descending was, fear not, for I'm with you always even to the end of the age. He, we, he, he wants us to know we're not alone, right? Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 4, um, 14 and 15, right? Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. That's 14 through 16 of Hebrews 4. We have a high priest that knows our struggles, that knows our past, that knows our sinful nature and desires us to lay those things at his feet. To take his burden, to, to humbly approach him, yet with confidence, and knowing that, as it says in 1 John 1, 9, as we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from mm-hmm. all unrighteousness. It is an open invitation to a set of open arms. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give like 15 seconds just to sit. God, um, your love endures forever. Um, God, you are worthy of any praise we could pour out. Lord, in, in all of our capacity, a hundred billion times, as the song says, you are worthy of more praise. Um, Lord, just help us to draw near. Show us who you want us to be. Reveal who we are and show us who you want us to be. Lord, I ask that you just go after the listeners or listener. Um, I ask that you 
bring a divine confidence over them and over us that you are bigger than our sin. That you have conquered death. That you are worthy of being right with. Lord, I ask that you be glorified in this time. Lord, I pray over uh, Psalm 14, 9. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be right in your sight. Lord, I ask, as you say in um, Ephesians 4.23, I ask for that renewal by the Spirit um, for all of us listening. Um, Lord, you're so good. Help us to live like those words are true. Lord, help us to to see your word as the gift it is, as your word, as it says in 1 Peter 2 or 2 Peter 1, uh, you know, um, Lord, that, that your word is divinely inspired. It is, it is you speaking, and that is more fully confirmed in its truths. Um, Lord, I ask that you just call us all closer to you. Make us all look more like you regardless of the cost. Um, God, thank you for everything you have done, you're currently doing, and you will do. Lord, go to work. Go to work in our hearts. Start with our convictions. Um, Lord, and and lead us into, into doing ministry in your name and by your spirit. Lord, we just pray that... Uh, that in our college towns, on our campuses, in our hometowns, Lord, that you are bringing light. Jesus, in your great name, any enemy making an attempt on us or any of these places that they're cast down and that you are glorified. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for everything we take for granted. Everything that you continue to pour out as we so pridefully overlook the gift it is. Lord, just posture our hearts. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Shout of praise and exclamation.
always fix on you.